Happy 2024, everybody. We're the show all about the South, and we begin a new year of talking about what's going on in Dixie. John Rawl, the general of all all things Southern, glad to be here for another year. We hope you had a tremendous Christmas, a tremendous New Year's celebration, and we've, we've been out celebrating and having a good time ourselves, so we're ready to put on our overalls and get going with a new year of talking about the South. And it is a pleasure to do that each and every day on a great lineup of radio stations in Dixie, as well as all of you who catch us in podcast form. Hello, welcome in as we're available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, as well as Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and we're posted at y'all.com, the South's home page. Wow. What a great, great couple of days away from this host chair for me, but got to get back to work. Got to serve the people, and that's what we're going to do here on the Y'all Show in all of 2024, and we thank you again for, for tuning us in or finding us in podcast form across the Southland. Let me give you an idea of what we've got lined up here as we start off this new year. We've got today... Of course, we were off Monday, New Year's Day, so we got a shortened week here, just to give you a heads up. But on today's Y'all Show, we've got headlines from across the southeast. A Georgia officer killed in the line of duty. I've got that story out of Spalding County in Georgia. Also, we will tell you some other changes that are happening across the Southland in terms of new laws. Got new laws going into effect now that we've reached a new year. We've got a couple of new mayors that have taken office on January 1st. And I'll tell you about the mayor of Houston, Texas, and the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, as both sworn in on January 1st. Paul Young and the new mayor of the city of Houston, as they welcome in John Whitmire as the 63rd mayor of H-Town. We've got that story for you, plus a Memphis native who's an actress in The Color Purple, injured in a New York City I think it was her crossing the street, a hit and run, as she was hurt there in New York City over the weekend. We've got that story we'll be telling you about on today's Y'all Show. The flu is making headlines, and sadly, a Middle Tennessee teacher has died after contracting the flu. I'll tell you about that story from the Volunteer State. Plus, Arkansas's seeing a number of flu deaths going on, more than doubling the number in one week. And South Carolina and Louisiana are among the states that have more flu cases than anybody right now. So what's going on with not COVID, but the flu, the common flu, causing problems here to start 2024? We got all those headlines coming. Plus, a story out of North Carolina, a civil rights leader. You've likely seen this man before as he's been on television and been out protesting and helping out the civil rights cause for a long time. That's Reverend William Barber II. And over the weekend, he caused a a little scene in North Carolina that now the movie theater that he was in is apologizing because he was escorted out of this movie theater because he had his own chair. He had his own chair in the theater as he was in the North Carolina movie theater watching The Color Purple escorted out for having his own chair, but he had his own chair because of medical reasons. And now the largest movie theater chain in the country apologizing to Reverend William Barber. Uh, not not a good look for the theater chain, as he's got a number of 
health problems, and that's why he took his own chair into the movie theater there in North Carolina. we got all of that information coming, plus a lot of sports to talk about today. We've got college football. We've got our two teams that will be playing for the national championship. And golly, y'all, there ain't going to be no Southern team in this year's national championship game. As on Monday, both Alabama and Texas went down right in dramatic form. And so it's going to be Michigan and Washington, the Huskies and Wolverines, battling come Monday for the national championship of college football. That that stings as a show all about the South and a show that thinks that Southern college football is the best. Uh, not this year. Not this year, it looks like. So we will tell you a little bit more about football. We've got this new United Football League that has been announced over the weekend. Eight teams, kind of a, a merger between what was the XFL that The Rock kind of got going, as well as the USFL There'll be three USFL teams that made the cut into this new United Football League that will be starting play in March. And I'll tell you what southern cities will have a presence in this new league. All that's coming up on today's Y'all Show. Plus, Ron DeSantis, speaking of football, he ordered the Capitol in Tallahassee to be lit in garnet and gold just before the Seminoles took to the field on Saturday evening to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And trust me, That was probably the most electricity that FSU had on Saturday as they were creamed in the Orange Bowl by the Georgia Bulldogs. But we've got stories about Florida State football coming up in our headlines across the southeast today. That coming, plus we also have in this opening hour of our Tuesday Y'all Show, our Southern Political Report. And we're going to fill you in on some of the goings-on over the last couple of days since we've been off the air. One political story of note that we're going to be sharing with you is the loss of Texas former Congresswoman Bernice Johnson. She's died. We'll tell you a little bit about her background and the misstep that Nikki Haley had the other day where she did not reference slavery as a cause of the Civil War. And we'll give you some reaction to that snafu, if you will, by Nikki Haley running for president. That's all coming up in our Southern Political Report later this hour. Hour two today, we've got not only headlines, but we also have our Southern Book Report headed your way. And we'll tell you about the bestsellers going on right now. But also, we've got an article we've pulled up courtesy of NPR.org. 11 books to look forward to in 2024. These are books coming out soon that we'll be giving you a little tease of what these books are and the authors and more. All that is part of our Southern Book Spotlight, and it's coming in hour number two, plus in hour number two. We've got entertainment headlines to cover with you. And in our entertainment news of the day, we've got an article up on the pop culture moments of 2023. What were they? Plus, President, uh, i got to throw in the word former because they always do this with Trump. Former President Barack H. Obama has come out with his own playlist, and we're going to share with you some of the tunes that are rocking Obama these days. we got that coming. Plus, Dolly sings to a dying fan. All that is coming up in our entertainment stories in Hour 2. Hour 3 today, our good friend Jerry Short dropping by his first Takapola Storyteller Report of 2024. And we're going to talk about, hey, New Year, New Jerry. What has he got going on here in 2024? Resolutions and more, but mostly 
we'll just kind of catch up with the Takapolo Storyteller. That's coming up in our final hour. Plus, we've got Southern Food for Thought. And this is great news to start a new year. As we found a great article coming from allrecipes.com, an article called Now That Little Debbie is going to be offering a couple of different new treats in 2024. So we'll go through the new Little Debbie treats coming this year. That is delicious. Who does not like a Little Debbie snack of whatever variety they've got? And they've got a couple of different Valentine's-related Little Debbie snacks that could already be out in your favorite grocery store or gas station. And we'll walk through that here as part of our Southern Food for Thought in our final hour. I want to remind you that you can always listen to us on great stations and podcast form, but we want you to participate here on the Y'all Show. And the way that you can be part of the fun is to text us. We have a number available 24-7-615-208-4184-615-208-4184. We'd love to hear from you there. Plus, we have our email address. That email address is M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at y'all dot com. Easy ways for you to be able to communicate and be part of the fun of this, the show that we call The Y'all Show. Let's dive into a handful of our news stories of the day before we take our first break. And sadly, we start off with a story from law enforcement and the death of a deputy in Spalding County, Georgia, who was killed in the line of duty on Friday, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the Spalding County, Georgia Sheriff's Office as Sergeant Mark McIntyre, a combat veteran who had been working in that office for quite some time. He was shot after an hours-long standoff with a suspected gunman, a gunman now identified as Todd Lamont Harper. McIntyre was shot while responding to a domestic call in northern Spalding County. This is Griffin, Georgia. This is where we're talking about that section of Georgia, south of Atlanta. And this officer was killed by this gunman as the suspect fired out of a window with a shotgun, shooting McIntyre in the head. He went to the hospital but later died. Again, our thoughts with the Spalding, Georgia, its county sheriff there, as Daryl Dix is the sheriff of Spalding County, Georgia. The shooter in custody, and he's going to stay there, according to Sheriff Dix. But unfortunately, the loss of a a hero, a hero in blue, dying in the line of duty while responding to one of those very, very dangerous domestic disturbance calls. And that happened on Friday in Georgia. An off-duty police officer killed in North Carolina after witnessing a crime as this off-duty police officer shot and killed at a gas station after approaching two suspects. The sergeant was Philip Dale Nix, a 23-year veteran of the Greensboro Police Department. Again, saw a crime going on, approached him, and now three men have been arrested in the case. An 18-year-old is charged with first-degree murder and larceny. The Greensboro, North Carolina Police Chief John Thompson has not specified what crime that happened there that the, that Nick's witnessed, but unfortunately this off-duty officer killed there in Greensboro, North Carolina over the weekend, a deadly weekend for law enforcement across the southeast. It is a new year, 
And with new years come uh, new laws. <laughs> and not all of our laws that are as wacky as what, for example, Illinois has got a new law that will make it legal for you to have stuff dangling from your windshield like fuzzy dice. That's okay now in Illinois. Okay, but what about here in the South as we've got some various laws now in effect starting January 1st? A North Carolina law will require pornographic website operators to confirm viewers are at least 18 years old by using a commercially available database. That's a good law, and that now is in effect in North Carolina. And if you're not uh, having those kinds of laws in your respective state, you need to get onto your state legislators and come up with a, a similar program like North Carolina's got in effect now. Now, also want to let you know that you got some minors and puberty blocker laws that have gone in in terms of hormone therapy and surgery. Those laws in effect now in Louisiana and West Virginia. And so that's a fairly 21st century type law in effect. Also want to let you know that in the state of, let's see here, Maryland. Maryland now has a minimum wage at $15 an hour. $15 an hour minimum wage state law in the state of Maryland. Missouri is trying to reduce its income tax rate while expanding tax exemptions for Social Security benefits and military training pay as businesses in Missouri will be able to claim tax credits for hiring interns or apprentices. And in terms of making money, Alabama will now exempt overtime pay from the state's income tax, though that lasts only until June 2025 unless renewed by lawmakers. So that could be of import to you if you're an Alabama wage earner. Those are, again, some of the new laws taking effect here on January 1st. Now, with the arrival of a new year, there was supposed to be a new would you call this a police district? A, It's not really a new town, but there's been this controversial creation by the Mississippi General Assembly to create a sort of police district in the downtown section of Jackson, Mississippi, where the state capital is. The NAACP has been really protesting this, so much so they've been going back and forth and back and forth in court And a judge over the weekend allowed this Mississippi ruling to go in effect, which would create a a new police force, really, that would go into areas around the state capitol in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. Well, that was by one judge over the weekend. Then a federal appeals court put it on hold. The chief of staff for Attorney General Lynn Fitch of Mississippi is Michelle Williams, And she issued a statement that said the state would continue to defend the law that Mississippi's legislature passed to perform the duties to help protect the people of Jackson from stifling, suffocating crime that plagues the city. So, again, this is all because of a new law that Republican Governor Tate Reeves signed back in the spring of 2023. And it's going to create a new court that will have a jurisdiction as part of the city of Jackson that includes state government buildings and also some residential and shopping areas that are not necessarily government-run businesses. They're trying to cut out some of the crime that's been going on in a crime-ridden Jackson, Mississippi. And there's been more than 100 homicides 
in each of the past three years in this city of about 150,000 people. And so it's hard to do state business when you've got crime, crime going rampant as it has been in Mississippi. The state legislature trying to do something about it, at least right there in their own little corner of the city. NAACP not wanting any of that and coming down hard to try to stop it. We'll keep you abreast of what's going on. But the latest, a federal appeals court has temporarily delayed this new state-run court from operating in the Magnolia State. Those are some of our headlines. When we come back, we will fill you in with a few more. We've got some new mayors that were sworn in on Monday in the southeast. We've got the new mayor of Houston, Texas, John Whitmer, and we'll tell you about Whitmer's fellow Democratic mayor, who put his hand on a Bible? I assume it. I assume that's what he did. Uh, if he didn't, he should. You know, it's never a bad thing to to put a Bible out there and be sworn in. But we also have a new mayor, a young guy taking over as the mayor of the city of Memphis, Tennessee. So we'll fill you in on that. Plus, we've got other headlines all right here coming your way on the program that's all about the South, where we do mix in political goings on and football goings on when we get a chance. So. Hey, we got it covered, y'all. Got all that coming up. And plus, speaking of politics, we got a big political report on some of the national stuff that we'll get to before this first hour is up. You're listening to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We'll be right back. It's lonesome in this old town Everybody puts me down I'm a face without a name Just walking in the rain Going back to Houston Houston, Houston I got holes in both of my shoes well, I'm a walking case of the blues Saw a dollar yesterday But the wind blew it away Going back to Houston Houston, Houston There's old Yankee boy Dean Martin And a song about Houston Dean was raised in Steubenville, Ohio. That is on the Ohio River just across from West Virginia there in the panhandle of West Virginia on that northern panhandle they got there. And I don't know why he didn't see the light and cross that Ohio, but he didn't. His family kept him in Steubenville. But a gifted singer for sure and and pretty good at acting to Dean Martin music. And that one right there called Houston. And Houston is on our mind as we continue on with some of our news headlines on this Tuesday, January 2nd. As the city of Houston has sworn in Democrat John Whitmire as its 63rd mayor. He took the oath of office just a minute after midnight on Monday. That would be, what, 12.01 in the morning H-Town time, staying up late after the fireworks went off. And this former Texas state senator, John Whitmire, becoming mayor of the state's largest city. And a little bit of a surprise, in, in my opinion. I really thought that he would have lost to Sheila Jackson Lee in the race for mayor, but she ended up losing to him, and she's now running for her old position, her old current position. She never gave up her title of congressman, 
And so she's trying to be reelected again. But it's all about John Whitmire being sworn in in Houston on Monday. Congratulations, Mayor Whitmire. Now, in Memphis on Monday, Paul Young was inaugurated as the new mayor of the city of Memphis, Tennessee. Had a big mayor's gala that went on Sunday into Monday. And now he's got a challenge there. Memphis in 2023 had 397 homicides. And they've already had their first homicide of 2024, not even 24 hours into the new year. They had their first homicide in the Bluff City. So a lot of challenges going on in Memphis and this guy taking over as the mayor of the city of Memphis. Now, a little bit more about Paul Young. Paul Young is 44 years young. He was born in Memphis back in 1979. He got his undergrad degree from the University of Tennessee, then got a master's and an MBA from the University of Memphis. And has been quite a successful business person after he got his BS in electrical engineering from UT. That would be Knoxville. Then again, coming back to his native Memphis, getting his postgraduate work in that included an MBA from the University of Memphis. He served as a planner for the Memphis and Shelby County Division of Planning and Development for a number of years. Then he worked as a financial analyst for Community Capital Memphis. Then went on to work as president and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission. He was elected mayor of Memphis during the Memphis mayoral election of 2023 and now takes over for Jim Strickland as mayor of Memphis, 44-year-old Paul Young. Congratulations, sir, and best of luck trying to curb some of the problems that Memphis has. But he's a truly a young guy, Paul Young is. So perhaps he can get it done in Shelby County. Other news out of Shelby County, Tennessee, a Memphis native and an award-winning actress and stuntwoman named Carrie Barans, well, she got injured over the weekend as she was part of the Color Purple movie. She was also in Marvel's Black Panther film. She was critically injured in a hit-and-run in New York City with eight other people early on Monday, around 1.30, I guess after the new year was brought in. According to the actress's family, a man in his early 40s was trying to escape an earlier hit and run and struck multiple vehicles before hitting a food stand where Bernans and a friend were walking nearby. She was knocked unconscious and pinned under the stand. Her family says she has several broken bones as well as fractures, chipped teeth, but is expected to recover. Right there in what would be normally a safe New York City, this actress and stunt woman, that takes a lot of guts to be a stunt woman. Well, this was not a stunt. This was real life here, and she's now recovering out of surgery. Her family says that her newborn son was safe with family members at a hotel when the incident occurred, but a Memphis native now on the road to recovery as she's been in this new color purple remake and was also in Black Panther, actress, stuntwoman, Carrie Bernance. Good luck with your recovery, and hopefully the knucklehead that did all that damage will have a nice visit to a jail 
there in New York City for quite some time. Keeping our stories in the state of Tennessee real quick, sad news out of Robertson County north of Nashville where a Robertson County teacher has now died as he was a special education teacher in the Robertson County School District. Cody Ray Capps died December 28th, and the cause of his death was from the flu. He contracted the flu after traveling to Indiana to be with family for Christmas, ended up becoming sick and was hospitalized, and he later died. According to a post on Facebook, an announcement saying it is with heavy hearts that we confirm the passing of Cody Capps, behavior coordinator. Over the course of his 13 years of dedicated service, Cody's unwavering commitment to fostering positive change and his genuine compassion to the lives of countless individuals throughout the district is immeasurable. That was on the Facebook page for the Robertson County, Tennessee School District. Sad news. A celebration of life will be Friday this coming Friday, January 5th, at Jones Crossing Banquet Center. And then he'll be laid to rest in West Newton, Indiana. A teacher, special ed teacher out of Middle Tennessee, dying from after contracting the flu while being around others for Christmas. Sad news there. Arkansas's Department of Health is now reporting that flu deaths in the natural state have more than doubled in just one week. The Viral Respiratory Diseases Report for the Arkansas Department of Health report that eight deaths reported from influenza in the natural state. Arkansas now has a total of 14 people who have succumbed to the flu during this current season. The flu season runs October 23rd until March. So multiple deaths reported now in Arkansas. This death in Tennessee among several in that state and if you look at what the CDC is reporting, we've got states that are doing really bad, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And Louisiana and South Carolina are among the worst, with the highest number of flu cases in the country right now in the Palmetto State and the Pelican State. The, the what is DHEC, Department of Health and Environmental Control, that's the South Carolina agency that kind of looks out over this stuff. The lead medical consultant for South Carolina's health department, Dr. Martha Buchanan, said that South Carolina has recorded 12 flu deaths already this year. And they've already had a child flu-related death in the Palmetto State. So it's not a very good thing going on. She also pointed out that complications can occur even among young and previously healthy people and can't be predicted, it can't be predicted who will really suffer severe illnesses just by looking at the person. So, very, very important information. Now, the active flu season is coinciding with the ongoing COVID-19 cases and an elevated number of RSV cases. According to Buchanan, it is recommended that everyone six months of age and older who's eligible to get vaccinated get their flu vaccine, even with all this flu activity. It's a good idea, if you haven't been vaccinated, to go ahead and get vaccinated. It does take a couple of weeks for the vaccine to become effective, but it gives you some protection. Vaccinations for people for all three illnesses 
again, are available. People are at risk during the fall and winter months, especially at large holiday gatherings like Christmas and New Year's. Mm. Very, very tough time from a disease standpoint right now, and let's hope everybody can get through these next couple of weeks as healthy as possible. But an alarming number there with the flu causing all of these deaths across the southeast right now, including the loss of that special ed teacher in Robertson County in Middle Tennessee. We'll have a few more headlines to get to as we go forward in today's Y'all Show. We've got lots to say about college football, and we'll get into that in hour number two. Stay tuned. we got a lot to say about the politics of the region, and we'll get into our Southern Political Report after this commercial timeout here on the show that shakes the Southland. upon a star I could have a brand new car Got tired of wishing So I stole one Seventeen and knew it all My dreams were big but my thoughts were small So many roads somehow I chose the wrong one But Jesus and Mama always loved me Even when the devil took control Jesus and Mama always loved me This I know Always comforting to know, no matter what you do, no matter how far you stray, that Jesus and Mama are going to love you no matter what. John Rawl back here. <laughs> Thank you, Confederate Railroad, Danny Shirley. What a great song that was back in the 1990s. Whew. All right, let's continue on with our headlines across the Southeast today. Yes, we love our Jesus and we love our mamas, don't we? Well, most of us do. We, we definitely love Jesus. And most of us, yeah, it doesn't matter what they've done to us. There's still that, oh, that motherly love you just can't get past. Even if you've had fights over boyfriends, girlfriends, you've had fights over husbands and exes, and maybe, oh, maybe y'all had fights over Christmas gifts through the years. You still love, they got that love. There's no, no denying well, we love our politics also here in the South. And as we wrap up our opening hour on this Tuesday, let's have our Southern Political Report where we give you an idea of some of the goings-on in the world of politics over these last couple of days. And since we've been off the air more than a week, we've had a lot a lot of political uh, missteps, missteps that maybe the mothers of some of these politicians may love them, but the rest of the world's throwing Oh, shade at some of these people for for some of the missteps that they've made in the last couple of days. Nikki Haley among them. I've got the audio of Nikki Haley talking the other day in New Hampshire that got to be a big story. And let me be quite honest with you. I have not heard this. So I'm going to weigh in after we play this clip of how she forgot to talk about slavery when a young New Hampshire resident asked about the causes of the Civil War. 
So we'll we'll talk about that here in a sec. And I may actually come to the defense of the former governor of SC here in this case. But CNN and our political coverage to start off the headlines of the day has an article up about the 10 Senate seats most likely to flip here that we've reached 2024. 10 Senate seats that are likely to flip. And number one is the Senate seat currently held by Joe Manchin of West Virginia. He's already announced he's not running for re-election. And you already see Jim Justice, the governor, put his hat in the ring to run for that Senate seat. I don't think there's any doubt that that blue seat is going to turn red in 2024 as West Virginians will be picking a new Republican, a, a, a second Republican to represent the Mountain State in the halls of the United States Senate. So that's going to be a, a GOP pickup, I'm pretty dang sure, here in 2024. Also, you've got Senate seats opening up in o- Ohio, Sherrod Brown, another Democrat, and then John Tester of Montana, both up, and I don't think either one's going to win, in my opinion. I don't think that's going to be, it's not looking good for Democrats in the U.S. Senate, at least, as those two. But West Virginia, Tester in Montana, now to his credit, he fought off Donald Trump when he was trying to be elected in 2018, I guess it would have been, and he successfully kept on his kept his seat there in Montana. But Ohio is a different story with Sherrod Brown. I, I just can't imagine that he could be reelected. But we shall see. You've got an open Senate seat, and this is a Republican-targeted seat coming for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, as you're going to have a couple of people vying for the seat there for Bob Casey. Bob Casey, will he be able to hang on if he chooses to? He may be sitting out. No, he, he's not. He's he's running. Then in Arizona, you've got Kristen Sinema, who was a Democrat. Now she's considered an independent. And in that race, you got Carrie Lake jumping into the fold of of that. And then there'll be solid Democrats vying for Sinema's Arizona seat. I just don't think she can survive. But I wouldn't put that in the Republican column quite yet. Jackie Rosen of Nevada also up for reelection. That's not looking good. As you've seen a big dramatic shift, if you keep up with this stuff, of Nevada residents at least looking to support Trump in 2024 over the numbers that they had in previous races. Wisconsin's got Tammy Baldwin up for re-election. And Mike Gallagher has passed on running for that race there, a former Republican congressman. So I'm not sure who in Nevada, or rather Wisconsin, is going to be going against Tammy Baldwin, but uh, what would most consider to be a conservative state, Baldwin is a lesbian, and she is an open lesbian serving as a senator for the somewhat conservative state of Wisconsin. You take out Milwaukee and Madison, it's a darn, darn conservative state, but those huge population centers have lots and lots of blue there. Debbie Stabenow of Michigan also up for re-election. That one could be a switch to a Republican. 
And then Ted Cruz of Texas. Now, this is a very intriguing grace because this is a guy who's done a solid conservative job in the state of Texas. But now Texas is it's, a lot of people shifting and moving into Texas. And boy, Democrats would love to kick Ted Cruz out of the office. And there's one Democrat named Colin Allred who's going to be running to try to oust Ted Cruz in his Senate race in 2024. That's a state to keep an eye on. And then Rick Scott of the state of Florida will be up for re-election. And now Val Demings is likely going to be running. She ran against Marco Rubio in 2022. She lost by 16 points to Rubio. So we'll find out who from the Democratic side will be going up against the former governor turned U.S. Senator of the Sunshine State, Rick Scott. But those are some of the key Senate races up for discussion and up for a possible switch in party in 2024. Former congressman who served in Congress for 30 years, Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson of the state of Texas has died at age 88 as she represented Lone Star State for three decades. A nurse before getting into politics, she was born in Waco in 1935 and then got involved in politics after winning in 1992. And she was the first black woman elected to state public office from Dallas and the first black and woman to be chair of the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. Joe Biden praising her Sunday in a statement, praising her for her dedication to the people of North Texas. Again, longtime congressman from Texas, Bernice Johnson, passing away at age 88. A political story that got a lot of headlines at the end of last week. I was busy on the road doing stuff, and I didn't really have a chance to sit back and find this clip until now. But Nikki Haley, running for president last week, asked about the cause of the Civil War, and boy, the pundits jumped on her for her response. I have not heard her response. So bear with me here. I got this pulled up. It was a youngster in New Hampshire asking her, about the cause of the Civil War, and let's hear what she says, and and then we'll come back after this and evaluate her at her campaign stop in North Conway, New Hampshire, presidential contender Nikki Haley here on the Southern Political Report. So Chris Christie thinks that you're a flip-flopper on the Donald Trump issue, and honestly, I agree with him. And you're basically the new John Kerry on the <laughs> you remember John Kerry from 2004. So my question is, how how can you be how can you change your opinion like that in just eight years? And will you pardon Donald Trump? <laughs> So fourth, fifth grade? No, fourth. fourth grade. Well, I, for one, am very proud of you for coming and very proud of you for listening and very proud of you for asking that question. So the first thing I'll tell you is politics is about distraction, right? And so people like my friends, Chris Christie, are going to say she's a flip-flopper. 
But let's look at it. What's he saying I'm flip-flopping on? He's basically saying that I'm not hitting Trump hard enough, right? The interesting part of this whole situation is anti-Trumpers think I don't hate him enough. And pro-Trumpers think I don't love him enough. And at the end of the day, the fact is, I'm just telling you the truth like I see it. It's not personal for me. It's never been personal for me. I told you I think he was the right president at the right time. I told you that I agree with a lot of his policies. But do I think he's the right president to go forward? No. We can't handle the chaos anymore. Chris is obsessed with Trump. I mean, God bless him. He's a friend. He's obsessed with Trump. He sleeps, eats, and breathes it every day. I'm thinking bigger than that. If we do that, we're no different than Trump. That's what we're trying to get away from, is the, is the idea that we obsess about a person. This is about a country. We're better than that. We're bigger than that. So I am who I am. I tell my truth just like you told your truth, except I am no John Kerry. <laughs> but I will also answer his question. He asked if I would pardon Trump, and I've answered this before. I would pardon Trump. And the reason is, first of all, we don't know what they're going to find innocent, guilty, any of that. And we want everybody to be innocent until proven guilty. But the second thing is, if he is found guilty, a leader needs to think about what's in the best interest of the country. What's in the best interest of the country is not to have an 80-year-old man sitting in jail that continues to divide our country. All right. I apologize. That was not the right clip, but a very informative clip from the South Carolina former governor slash former U.N. Secretary Haley there at that campaign event. But what she said on the Civil War, she kind of didn't cite slavery as a cause of the Civil War. And a lot of the pundits went really against her last week. I'm sure that brought a lot of attention her way, needed attention as she's out trying to get traction in New Hampshire. She's kind of got a Hail Mary strategy, it appears, for winning the Republican nomination. And that Hail Mary strategy is to do as well as she can, specifically in New Hampshire. That wraps up our political report here for this opening hour of the Y'all Show. We'll be back with more fun about the South. So stay with us for hour two. For another hour of talking about the South. That's what we do here on the Y'all Show. John Rawl is my name. I'm your faithful and dedicated Y'all Show host. We got books to talk about this hour. We also have entertainment news. Dolly Parton 
doing what Dolly Parton does, making unbelievable headlines. We'll tell you the latest Dolly headline in our entertainment report, plus some pop culture moments of 2023 that you need to be reminded about or brought up to speed on, all part of our entertainment coverage here on this second hour of Y'all on a Tuesday, January 2nd. To reach out to us here on Y'all, it's easy to do. You can text us 24-7-615-208-4184 or email us, mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L.com. All these ways for you to be able to stay in touch with what's going on across the Southeast. Hope you all are doing well, still maybe unboxing your are, are putting up your boxes and unwrapping perhaps some of you still if you got inundated with christmas goodies having a good christmas 2023 well that's now more than a week in the past it's time to uh, get going on 2024 but no i'm never going to criticize anybody that wants to live christmas every day what a what an awesome holiday eh? and we had a as far as the south goes a a fairly great christmas day not not what was it five degrees 10 degrees something like that in a large part of the south last year 2022 we had fairly good temperatures this year and we didn't have all of the treacherous weather to deal with across the southeast this year thank goodness even new year's was a fairly good weather related holiday for us across the southeast we'll just hopefully see that as a sign that 2024 is going to be an awesome year let's hope let's hope so and we're going to give you an awesome year of southern coverage southern goings-on southern gossip all right here on the y'all show coming up this hour we got books we got entertainment next hour it's our Takapola storyteller making his first appearance of the new year jerry short dropping by to talk about the new year that plus some little debbie snack cake talk coming in our in our final hour on this y'all show let's get back into some of the news headlines here on the y'all show and want to let you know that over the weekend civil rights leader from north carolina went in to see the color purple and reverend william barber the second you've seen him on tv through the years a fairly famous guy in civil rights world well, this civil rights leader ended up being escorted by police out of a North Carolina movie theater after he insisted on using his own chair for medical reasons. And he went in to see the color purple that Oprah Winfrey starred in the original film, and now she's executive producer of this. And Reverend Barber got kicked out of the theater. But he said he needed the chair because he suffers from something called Ankylosing losing spondylitis, a bone disease. And the 60-year-old who leads the nonprofit Repairers of the Breach, which focuses on issues including voter suppression and poverty. He also co-chairs the National Poor People's Campaign. He got kicked out of this theater, and that was not a good thing for the theater chain in Greenville, North Carolina. Greenville police said in a statement that a caller from the theater said a customer was arguing with employees and the theater wanted him removed. After a conversation, police said that he agreed to leave the theater voluntarily. No charges filed. The theater chain there in Greenville, North Carolina was owned by AMC, the largest theater chain in the country, and they have now apologized 
in a written statement saying it welcomes and works hard to accommodate guests with disabilities, saying they were reviewing their policies with the theater teams to help ensure situations like this do not occur again. Barber said he'll meet next week with the chairman of AMC Entertainment, Adam Aaron. After Aaron reached out to him, Barber said he is hopeful it will lead to just and good things for those with disabilities. Something tells me that the AMC chairman is going to be writing him a big check. Just saying. <laughs> just just taking a, a wild guess here. Why, why else would they be meeting so soon? But no, I, I hate that this reverend had to be going through this. And there are lots of people that have problems like this reverend barber in North Carolina with bone disease in his case. And they have to have the special love and care and maybe even, in his case, a special kind of chair that he has to use. And and somebody probably complained that, why is this guy getting his own kind of chair in this movie theater? And it might be blocking maybe one of the lanes, and that caused a disturbance. And the more common thing that a lot of people do when reacting to complaints is they often side with whoever complained. If you make a complaint, boom, the management ownership or often maybe even the authorities come down on the side of the complainer and not giving the person that they're complaining about a chance to really justify what they're doing. And common sense should have been very apparent here for 60-year-old William Barber. The guy was in a chair because he had a crippling bone disease. That shouldn't have been too hard to figure out. And if they would have listened, they would have, I'm sure he said at some point, I need this chair because I got this ankylosing spondylitis, a bone disease that's very disabling. And somebody just was not using their head. Plus, they should have recognized this guy. They, they follow the news. William Barber is a fairly well-known-looking fella if you keep up with politics at all or civil rights goings on. He was not old enough to be part of the MLK civil rights movement of the 1960s. He's just 60 years old. But he's been a very vocal voice, especially for voter suppression, and more. And I guarantee you, if he's from eastern North Carolina, he ought to be a lot more well-known there than in other parts of the country. Not a good look for theater chain AMC this week as they try to uh, get past this little controversy with Reverend William Barber. Now let's talk a little football. And the big story, college football-wise, was Monday Alabama went down in overtime to Michigan And then late on Monday, the Texas Longhorns go down to the Washington Huskies. So you're going to have Washington versus Michigan for the national championship. That game set for this coming Monday. And Jim Harbaugh able to best Nick Saban. That's the the, maybe the bigger shocker. A lot of people had Alabama prevailing over Michigan and then prevailing over whoever on the other side to win another championship in Tuscaloosa. 
It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if you had a chance to see the game as I did. Alabama had maybe the worst performance by a center that I've seen in, in modern times, not putting the loss completely on whoever, whoever that fellow was. But what a disaster. Even on the final play in overtime, it was a bad snap. And Milrose, the quarterback for Alabama, just couldn't figure that thing out and ran up the middle and got stopped and ball game. Michigan wins. Kudos to the Yankees from Ann Arbor. Alabama, you'll live for another day. It wasn't your year this year. But, man, what a bad, bad center. (laughs) But Milrow also, he didn't help himself out by fumbling late in the regulation. Alabama had the momentum, man. The tide was rolling. And then he had kind of a stumble and fumble and Michigan able to quickly get back on the board and get back in the game. And Alabama just couldn't win, even though they nearly pulled off an amazing safety on a punt that they had there with Michigan. And Michigan nearly fumbled that and got a safety, but it, it didn't happen. And Michigan prevails in the other semifinal in the Sugar Bowl. Texas and Washington played late in the night on Monday. And the Huskies coming out. They had control of this game for the most part, but in the end, the Horns trying to get back in it fell just short in their effort. And the Wolverines move on to play in the Natty against Michigan. That's a wrap on the big-time games. Overall, we had some big wins by on Monday. LSU got a big victory in their bowl game there in Tampa. And the Tennessee Vols destroyed Iowa in their bowl game. So those were some of the key games. The entire bowl season picture, I didn't have to watch anything. I actually went to a bowl game, and it was a very, very commanding performance by the team that I saw there. But some some good wins by teams from all over the array of college football programs. Great win by Clemson in the Gator Bowl over Kentucky, a game that was truly one of the best of bowl season. And UK couldn't put away Clemson. Clemson comes back and wins in a dramatic way in their bowl game. I'm trying to recall some of the other earlier bowl games that went on. We saw also Monday you had the Fiesta Bowl and Oregon destroyed the Liberty Flames, their Liberty undefeated prior to their loss in that New Year's Six Bowl game. Missouri, got to give love to the Missouri Tigers They destroyed Ohio State in Arlington, Texas on Friday evening. Great win by Eli Drinkwitz, your SEC Coach of the Year, Eli Drinkwitz. Congratulations to the Memphis Tigers representing the American. Great win by them right in their own home stadium over Iowa State. Memphis wins the Liberty Bowl. That's about it. That's that's about all I can come up with right now. But uh, overall... If you are a big-time SEC fan, other than Georgia, other than, how about the University of Mississippi coming through in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl? Those are about the biggest highlights of the, and Missouri. Got to give love to Missouri. Georgia, 
Georgia did extremely well in their victory over Florida State, destroying them. But the SEC had some some bad performances, too. ACC, my God, FSU, your conference champion, got beat by 60 points in its bowl game. That's an absolute embarrassment. And our other smaller conferences, they're hit or miss. Take your pick of whatever team you pull for. But bowl season coming to an end. And I got a text sent to me Saturday that reminded me that this past Saturday, which would have been December 30th, was the final college football Saturday of 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 the calendar until late August of 2024. Now, that's not totally true. There's going to be a – well, they may have that game now. I think it's on Saturday. Coming up this Saturday, I think. If it's not Saturday, it's going to be on Sunday. But I think it's Saturday. You've got the FCS National Championship game that will be played in Frisco, Texas. And so that ought to be a fun game between South Dakota State and Montana. South Dakota State and Montana just – I know it's not big-time college football, but it's a great FCS game that takes place in Frisco, and that's going to be – I'm pulling this up now because this is important. We'll try to try to watch it when it takes place here. Coming up um, – January 7th. It's going to be Sunday. They're going to go head-to-head with the NFL when the Jackrabbits and Grizzlies get together Sunday, January 7th in Frisco for the National Championship of FCS-level football. So that graphic I read over the weekend was absolutely correct. This was the this last Saturday, the last Saturday of college football for about eight and a half months. Ah, Tough, tough pill to swallow. Now, Florida State, as we said, got beat in the Orange Bowl by Georgia. 63-3, to I think, was the final of that one. I was in North Georgia watching some of that, and the game was so boring and such a absolute blowout by the dogs that the fans decked out in their red and black, wearing their Georgia jerseys, weren't even paying attention late in the fourth quarter of that one. It didn't matter that the dogs, who – probably today or sitting back saying we absolutely should have been in the college football playoff. But they did not make it. Alabama was the SEC champion. Governor Ron DeSantis, just before the Seminoles kicked off against the Dogs in the Orange Bowl, he ordered Florida's state capital to be lit in FSU colors as a mark of respect for FSU's undefeated, at the time at least, football record and for being wrongfully excluded from the college football playoff. He made the announcement on Saturday afternoon just before FSU and Georgia faced off in the 2023 Orange Bowl. And I'm sure there in Tallahassee it looked beautiful in the hometown of Florida State University. But in the end, probably nobody wanted to see garnet and gold on the Statehouse after that performance by the FSU football team just being manhandled by Georgia. A game of which FSU had a lot of opt-outs, and frankly, that probably made a world of difference. Plus, they had injuries and so much more hurting their case to 
try to justify being excluded from the college football playoff. But sorry, Seminoles. 2023, as great as it was, now with that Orange Bowl performance, a uh, memory you want to flush down the toilet, I'm sure. And lastly, some other football news that came out over the weekend. The United Football League is going to be the merger between the XFL and the USFL as they've merged into a single spring football league. And Monday, a lot of information came out about the new league of which Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is involved in. And so you're going to have eight teams as part of the new UFL. Those eight teams include three former USFL teams. Those three USFL teams making the cut into this new merger are going to be the Birmingham Stallions, the Memphis Showboats, and the Michigan Panthers. They join five other already existing XFL teams, the Arlington Renegades, the D.C. Defenders, the San Antonio Brahmas, and the St. Louis Battlehawks, plus the Houston Roughnecks. Houston was actually a town that had a team in both the USFL and the XFL. The Roughnecks made the cut. Gamblers, so long, so long. But, yes, you got this 18 Spring Football League, if you're having a withdrawal of football, this thing will be getting up and going in March, and you'll be able to capture some football spring style going forward in 2024. So that's good news. But eight-team UFL, United Football League, getting going here in the new year. That's some good 2024 news to pass along here on the y'all show we will be right back after this break we've got some books to talk about and we have not only the new york times best-selling book as part of our southern book report not only do we have the best reads on fiction and non-fiction from the nyt but we also have found an article posted at npr.org titled 11 books to look forward to in 2024 these are brand new books coming out very soon and we'll give you a preview of some of these hot reads in our book report. All that ahead on The Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com. Shatter, lose myself down. 
We're back here on the Y'all Show, continuing on with the Tuesday fun, a little how catch of music to get us in the mode for talking about books. And we've got our Southern Book Report now. A look at the New York Times best sellers. Did you pick up a new read for Christmas? Well, if you didn't, it's not too late to get you something maybe in line for Valentine's Day. And let's take a look at the best-selling books in the fiction category from the New York Times bestsellers list. Rebecca Yaros has numbers one and two on the top five fiction categories. Her book's Fourth Wing. It checks in at number one. Iron Flame, which is her newest book. It's been out about two months now. The second book in the Empyrean series. It is at number two. Number three, a book that's been out two months, James McBride, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store, on the New York Times bestsellers list. Mississippi slash Arkansas slash Virginia's own John Grisham and The Exchange, the sequel to The Firm, is at number four on the NYT fiction category list. And then a book that's been out, hmm, what has it been out on? About a half a year now. Hannah Grace's Icebreaker is at number five in the fiction category. Icebreaker is a book about how Anastasia might need the help of the captain of a college hockey team to get on the Olympic figure skating team. Icebreaker from Hannah Grace in the top five of the fiction category. Now to the nonfiction listing from the New York Times. The Wager from David Ground is number one. Liz Cheney, this one's been out three weeks, and the Wyoming former congressman and Dick Cheney's daughter. Her book all about Trump, Oath and Honor, comes in at number two. Britney Spears, her book all about herself, The Woman in Me, is out at number three. This one's been out just about two months now. And I bet a lot of little girls woke up on Christmas morning and found a copy of The Woman Me in their in their stocking, huh? Uh, hopefully not. The Woman and Me, but a lot, of, a lot of people pick up this book here from Britney Spears. It's number three. The fourth book on the uh, nonfiction category, David Gron. We mentioned how he's done t- such a great job with his Killers of the Flower Moon, which has been turned into a movie, and his book about a murder spree in 1920s Oklahoma checks in at number four. And this book, which is a movie that I think I'm going to go try to see today, actually. The Boys in the Boat, George Clooney directing this new book-turned-movie, and Daniel James Brown's book about the University of Washington's eight-oar crew, eight crew and their quest for gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics is out at number five in the nonfiction category of the New York Times. How about you, Dub, with a book slash movie all about some athletes from their college and now they'll be writing books about the uh, 2023 university of washington husky football team and michael Penix jr the transfer from indiana guiding them to the national championship game of college football and the huskies just might pull off a, a natty there in seattle their second natty in 35 years if they can pull it off so good luck u-dub with that one here come monday but the boys in the boat one of the new york times bestsellers for the non-fiction category with the arrival of 2024 npr.org 
has got an article up penned by Andrew Limbong, 11 books to look forward to in 2024. And we thought we'd take a few moments and tell you about some of these books that are just about ready to come out and how you might want to put them on your list of books for the new year. A new author out of the UK, Celine St. Clair, has penned a book called Sugar Baby. And Sugar Baby is about a 21-year-old girl named Agnes who starts sugaring. That means dating rich older guys in exchange for money. They uh, they give her money, and uh, you, you can take a wild guess what she does in return. And this is a book called Sugar Baby. And it's out again by author Celine St. Clair. That'll be out January 9th across bookstore. So check out Sugar Sugar Babying, y'all. <laughs> also coming out in 2024, according to NPR.org, a book to be on the lookout for. It is called Forever and Always from authors Brittany J. Thurman and Shamar Knight Justice. Worry and love go hand in hand in this children's picture book. Olivia waits anxiously for her dad to come home from work so she makes him something to make the time go by. That one comes out January 16th, forever and always. Praiseworthy is a novel by Australian writer Alexis Wright. It's about a crazed visionary in northern Australia who can see the multiple apocalyptic crises facing aboriginal people the odd way uh, he looks for a solution and the family who has to deal with him praiseworthy alexis right that comes out in early february tommy orange's new book wandering stars comes out at the end of february this is the follow-up to tommy orange's book there there which was a big time selling book wandering stars the new book is a multi-generational look at the aftermath of the Sand Creek Massacre in 1864, where Cheyenne characters go through abuse, exploitation, and addiction. All this in the book Wandering Stars, set for a late February release from author Tommy Orange. James is going to be a new book coming out in March from acclaimed author Percival Everett. That's a book on the list from NPR.org to be checking out in the new year. Also, the fantasy book, The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. That is a book coming out April that talks about the author's own family history. Bardugo goes into this and the best-selling author's work there. Check it out. From the nonfiction category, these are the books that I love to see. Jessica Roy has American Girls coming out January 16th. And this is about two sisters from Arkansas, one which takes her kids to Syria to follow her husband who fought for ISIS, and the other sister is trying to bring her back. It's a thorough look at how their lives ended up where they are and a book that asks hard questions about culpability. American Girls, Jessica Roy reporting on these two Arkansas sisters in a sort of modern book about ISIS and Arkansans. <laughs> All right, check that out. January 16th is the arrival of American Girls author Jessica Roy. Legacy by UK Blackstock. Blackstock has had a long career in medicine as a doctor and as a professor of emergency medicine. 
And this new memoir follows her growing up, wanting nothing more than to be a doctor and discovering all parts of the systemic issues that lead to a poorer health outcome for black Americans. Dr. Blackstock, paging Dr. Blackstock and the book Legacy. Bianca Bosker has the new book out called Get the Picture. This is from the author of the best-selling book, Cork Dork. As Bosker dives into a new community of obsessives and weirdos, this time in the art world, she spends time with artists, gallerists, clout chasers, and more to figure out how art moves and why art moves us. Bianca Bosker's Get the Picture comes out February 2nd. Carrie Sun has a new memoir called Private Equity, a memoir about the daughter of Chinese immigrants who ended up becoming an assistant to billionaire hedge fund founder. And it's an examination of the hustle and grind lifestyle that permeates American work culture, private equity. And let's see one more here on this article that you can find at NPR.org of the best reads for 2024. Hanif Abdurakweebs, there are always... There's always this year. This is the MacArthur Genius Grant winning author who has written thoughtful, personal, and poetic cultural criticism on music, dance, film, and more. And this is a book out called There's Always This Year. And it comes out March 26. Add that to your list. Again, this is an article penned by Andrew Limbong. On NPR.org, check it out, read more about these books, look at their covers so you don't miss them when you're in your favorite bookstore. And it's called 11 Books to Look Forward to in 2024. Thank you, NPR.org, for this insightful heads up on new books for the new year. When we come back on y'all, we've got a entertainment report from Dolly News to some of the other things that you might have missed in 2023. We want to make sure you, you are on top of it so we'll have all that as we wrap up hour two with entertainment goings on here on y'all Stallion is the artist behind that. She born Megan Javon Ruth Pete back in 1995 in San Antonio, the 28-year-old rapper and more. And we're playing a little Megan the Stallion today because that is on Barack Hussein Obama's playlist as he released that over the last couple days to wrap up 2023. If you can dig up 
Obama's playlist of his favorite songs for 2023. He put that out on Instagram Friday. And right there you have Cobra from Megan the Stallion, one of the favorite songs for the former president. He also included on his playlist On My Mama by Victoria Monet. Crazy Love by Rita Wilson and Keith Urban is on Obama's playlist. Water by Tyla. And then La Bebe remix by Ying Lifkus and Peso Pluma. Plus, he also has, I'm impressed by this inclusion in his playlist, Zach Bryan and Casey Musgraves' I Remember Everything is on Barack Obama's playlist of his favorite songs for 2023. And he says in this Instagram post, let me know if there are any other artists or songs I should check out. Okay, well, we appreciate him having a democratic system of his favorite songs of the uh, past year, but it's a quite a mixture there for his favorite music from 2023. But Megan the Stallion making the list there as she is a alumnus of Texas Southern University, the same school that Michael Strahan attended. So kudos to her, and she got the former president to be adding her right there at the top with her great, uh, I guess it would be great if you like that kind of style music there, Cobra from Megan, from MTS, Megan the Stallion. Elsewhere in our entertainment news of the day as we wrap up this second hour of our y'all show, as we're wrapping up 2023 now that we're into 2024, there are some defining pop culture moments of the past year that CNN wants to let you know about as we want to make sure that you know that Barbenheimer ruled the box office in this past year. Of course, that would be the combination of the movie Barbie and Oppenheimer, both having tremendous runs at the box office. And that was a major pop culture moment from this past year. Plus, you had all of the celebrity memoirs that came out, highlighted by Britney Spears's The Woman and Me. And that was a great, great book about her 13-year conservatorship with her father. Plus, you had Prince Harry's Spare that came out and his tell-all about the House of Windsor. Plus, Barbara Streisand's nearly a 1,000-page book that came out in 2023. So some big-time reads to check out in the past year. You had some other pop culture moments included from the world of politics. How about the rise and fall of George Santos and how he left Congress and started making a lot of money on Cameo these last few months? Plus, you had as a pop culture moment, according to this great article up at CNN.com, the Eras Tour, not just the actual tour that Taylor Swift put on, but the fact that she could take that and put it into a movie theater and she and Beyonce's Renaissance tour both did that by selling out movie theaters with their concert performances. You had the writer strike that was a big part of 2023 for a long time. The Screen Actors Guild was out of work, the writers out of work and more. They ultimately came to an agreement with their respective unions and other negotiators to, to get back to work. Donald Trump, of course, a pop figure making a lot of history, most notably getting his mugshot taken there in Fulton County, Georgia, over the last couple of months, and he's now running for president again. Prisoner number P01135809 in the Fulton County jail system. 
The romance between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey was a big pop moment of 2024, or rather 2023. And then how about the renaming of Twitter to X? Then you also have the emergence of threads also. And hip-hop turning 50 years old this year. In fact, in Atlanta, they typically have a peach drop in the city of Atlanta to bring in the new year. They cancel that here in 2023 into 2024 to have their focus on the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. And a lot of Atlanta's resources went into that. So no peach drop in 2024, sadly, if you love to see that. Those are, again, some of your pop stories of the day for 2023. Now, elsewhere in our news headlines of the entertainment world, I want to let you know that we have had in 2024, or rather 2023 into 2024, a lot of Dolly Parton news to tell you about. And this latest story is just an ex- another example of how awesome Dolly is, okay? Dolly Parton saying, I will always love you to a dying fan whose wish was to meet her. And so, after LeGrand Gold diagnosed with stage 4 colorectal cancer, the man from Utah put together a list of things he hoped to do in the time he had left here on this earth. And meeting Dolly Parton was number 7 on LG's list of living. And he wrote it out on a napkin. The country legend ended up calling LG and talked to him and his wife just before Christmas. And Dolly said, I've heard you've been a fan of mine for many years, and I just wanted to thank you for that. And Parton told Golder in the call that his wife Alice posted video of this conversation on social media. Wow. He told Dolly that he'd been a huge, that she'd been a huge help, especially these last few years. Doctors recently told Gold that the chemotherapy and radiation were no longer working and that he should Go home to be with his family. Alice said to Dolly that her husband had been a fan his entire life and that his family had season passes to her Dollywood amusement park. She added that their three children all got books from Dolly's Imagination Library program. But Dolly Parton, you know, not long ago, she actually flew to, I think it was southwest Missouri to be part of another dying wish she didn't fly out to utah for this man's wish but just the fact that this humongous star would take the time to call and do this video call and then sing and and say that she will always love you to gold is just a unbelievable thing but isn't is it not classic Dolly Parton, is she just not the the coolest, classiest person that there's just no fault? I mean, she should be canonized as a saint of country music, at least, don't you think? I think so. But uh, we wish Mr. Gold, LeGrand Gold there in Utah the best as he's going through this tough battle with stage four colorectal cancer. And for all of you suffering We are thinking of you here in this new year. And don't be shy. This guy loved Dolly Parton. 
His wish was to meet her. He didn't meet her in the flesh, but she did the next best thing. And if you have someone or you are someone dying or possibly having tragic news, don't be afraid to put out your request. Don't be afraid to say what you want because you just might have a Dolly Parton type moment. And if that's the last thing that happened positively for you in your life, then that's one heck of a way to go out. But we would like to keep you around as long as possible. That's a look at our entertainment headlines of the day here on the show about the South. We'll come back in hour three. We got Jerry Short, the Takapolo storyteller, dropping by. the final hour here on this Tuesday edition of the show all about the South. John Rawl is my name, and this is the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Hope you're all getting your 2024 off in a big way, and we're going to have the Takapola Storyteller making his first appearance of the new year going to be on in just a few minutes. It's Jerry Short. Can't wait to get his feel of how the new year went, and maybe some of his expectations here in a big political year in our country's history 2024 we also have the olympics going on this year in case you have forgotten that's going to be taking place this year in paris not the one in texas or the one in tennessee but the one over in what's that country called a uh, a uh, 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 france we oui, yes <laughs> we got that going on so it's it's going to be a great year i hope 2024 is better than 2023 was because that was a a rough year for some of us out there a lot of us out there and so we will pick up the pieces and move on to the new year and we are here on this first show of the new year the y'all show 2024 thank y'all for being a part of the excitement the other exciting things we got going on here in this final hour of the Tuesday edition and just uh, not just having Jerry Short drop by, but we've also got news on Little Debbie snack cakes. There's going to be some new Little Debbie treats coming, and I'll tell you what they are as allrecipes.com reporting on the new Little Debbie offerings. Mm-mm. And I was just in the outskirts of Ottawa, Tennessee over the weekend, mm. and I was in I saw a I saw a lookout moon pie place and I didn't stop. How how dare me? How how could I do such a thing? You know, there's some delicious delicious sweets that come out of that section of the volunteer state. Not just little Debbie and not just moon pies have their history specifically in Chattanooga, but you know, not too far out of Chattanooga, heading up toward Knoxville. A lot of you are big fans of Mayfield ice cream. I think it's Athens, Tennessee is where that's out of. And 
I went to a restaurant just outside of Chattanooga over the weekend, and it was a Chinese buffet. And it was a very good Chinese buffet that I was dining at. And the one negative complaint that I had about this Chinese, as we say in the real deep south, buffet, was that I said, man, this is good. And I know they've got the jello and the banana pudding and they've got some chocolate pudding up here on their little buffet. But boy, this would be just a lot better if they had ice cream at this Chinese buffet. And little did I know over there in the corner was a big old glass case of Mayfield ice cream. And they had about eight different flavors you could choose from when you went over there to the Mayfield ice cream case. And that made my day on the final day of 2023. That's It wasn't my final meal. I'll have to tell you about that some other time, my final meal of 2023. But my next, my, my penultimate meal of 2023 was at a Chattanooga area Chinese buffet. And that delicious East Tennessee ice cream just uh, was was heavenly. It was. And so thank you, Mayfield, for that great. A Georgia Tech-led operation is Mayfield ice cream, FYI. So that that's a way to kind of set the primer for our final discussion of some of the news headlines. That's not really news, but, hey, we like to tell you what's going on across the southeast. But we do have some sweet talk to tell you about Little Debbie snack cakes before we get out of here this hour. A quick look at some of our more actual news headlines of the day. We had, unfortunately, the loss of a Spalding County, Georgia deputy killed in the line of duty Friday, and he's now been identified as Sergeant Mark McIntyre, a combat veteran killed in the line of duty while serving a he was answering a call about a domestic disturbance and he was killed in the line of duty in Spalding County which is Griffin Georgia south of Atlanta McIntyre shot while responding to this domestic call in the north end of Spalding County and a man known as Todd Lamont Harper has been arrested and he's in jail the suspected gunman of this Hero in blue in the state of Georgia killed over the weekend. Our thoughts with the Spalding County, Georgia Sheriff's Department in the loss of this officer. We also lost over this holiday weekend a member of law enforcement in the state of North Carolina. An off-duty police officer in Greensboro witnessed a crime. Witnessed a crime at a gas station and approached two suspects. An unfortunately 23-year police veteran Philip Dale Nix of the Greensboro Police Department was shot and killed. Three men have been arrested, including an 18-year-old Jamara Justice Foster, charged with first-degree murder and larceny. Greensboro, North Carolina Police Chief John Thompson didn't specify what crime that Nix witnessed or provided. He did not provide additional info about the events leading up to the shooting of this off-duty police officer from Greensboro, North Carolina, but a deadly weekend for the heroes in blue over this New Year's weekend. We've got a new year. We've got some new state laws to tell you about across the Southeast. And for one example of a new law going into effect, it involves 
the ability to get on adult websites, adult websites of which you need to be proven to be old enough to look at them or else you will be denied access. And that's a new law taking effect in some of our states, including in Louisiana and West Virginia. And so you got to make sure that you are of 18 and and of, of actual validate that you are that before you can get on some of these websites that are intended to be for adults only. Also, you've got in North Carolina a new law that will go into effect. That's where this 18-plus law is in North Carolina as it results from victims of deep fake pornography trying to avoid that. Then you have in the state of Louisiana and West Virginia bans to access bans on accessibility for minors on puberty blockers and hormone therapy those are some new 2024 laws going into effect then in the state of maryland a new law 15 dollars an hour minimum wage in maryland that is the case california not that we care too much about california but california's statewide minimum wage is now 16 dollars an hour Minimum wage, 16 bucks an hour. I remember Bernie Sanders was always pushing 15 bucks an hour. You got to have a living wage, 15 bucks. Well, Cali, Cali, Bernie, is now at 16 bucks. Some other financial-related changes here in the new year. Missouri is going to reduce its income tax rate while expanding tax exemptions for Social Security benefits and military training pay in the new year it's 2024 you might want to check your local books and see if you also are going to be having some changes whether it be on uh, puberty blockers or trying to get on pornographic websites and more as these changes are uh, happening got some new mayors that have taken over across the south houston has sworn in democrat mayor john whitmire as its 63rd mayor congratulations to this former texas state senator John Whitmire, the mayor of H-Town. Memphis has sworn in a young man, truly a young man, Paul Young, the 44-year-old guy who had actually graduated from UT Knoxville with a degree in electrical engineering. And then he went on to get his master's and MBA at the University of Memphis. And this guy who once was a planner and worked in different offices in Shelby County, was once the president and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission, Paul Young, sworn in on New Year's Day as the mayor of the city of Memphis, Tennessee. A Memphian was part of the new movie, The Color Purple, the 2023 edition of this new movie that came out Christmas weekend. She also helped out on Marvel's Black Panther film. Memphis native and actress stuntwoman, Carrie Bernan's in the news because she was hit over the weekend just after the new year was brought in around 1.30 in the morning on Monday morning there in New York City. She was involved with a hit-and-run incident in which a man in his early 40s trying to escape an earlier hit-and-run struck multiple vehicles before hitting a food stand where, in this case, the Memphis native was and. It also hit a friend that was walking nearby. She was knocked unconscious and pinned under this food stand in New York City. She, according to her family, fractured bones, 
chipped her teeth, but she is expected to recover. A scary scene there in the early morning hours of the new year. But Memphis native and award-winning actress and stunt woman who worked on Color Purple and Black Panther, Carrie Bernans, wishing her a speedy recovery. And hopefully they got this knucklehead who is out knocking people over and getting in hit and runs in jail. Maybe a little too much New Year's revelry going on in Manhattan over the weekend. The flu is spreading. The flu is dangerous. The flu this year is deadly. And sadly, a Middle Tennessee special education teacher has died as a result of coming down with the flu. Our thoughts with this Robertson County, Tennessee teacher, Cody Ray Caps, as he died after going back to his native Indiana for Christmas and was exposed to the influenza outbreak there and has died now. And a GoFundMe has been set up. He contracted the flu with his family in Indiana and then had to come back to Tennessee where he was hospitalized and would die. A celebration of life service will be set for Friday at Jones Crossing Banquet Center. And then he will be laid to rest in West Newton, Indiana. This Middle Tennessee special ed teacher dying after contracting the flu Arkansas's seen cases of the flu double in the last week. Patient deaths due to pneumonia and COVID-19 also going on, but this influenza outbreak is a big scare right now in certain sections of the South. The flu season runs from October until March, FYI. Now, as bad as the numbers are coming in from the natural state, South Carolina and Louisiana are right now They're more affected than any of our other U.S. states in terms of the influenza outbreak. According to the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control, the Palmetto State is leading the country for the highest number of flu cases. And that word came out during a briefing by the DHEC officials, Louisiana, South Carolina, right there on top. There have been 12 recorded deaths in South Carolina already since the 2023-24 flu season started. There's even been a child flu-related death in the Palmetto State. So be advised and officials encouraging people to try to get out there and be vaccinated. Try to get on top of this thing by being vaccinated. And that includes a COVID-19 vaccination, a vaccination for this new influenza influenza outbreak. And then RSV is also going on. And according to CDC numbers, an estimated 60,000 to 160,000 older adults in the U.S. are hospitalized each year. And between six and 10,000 people die due to RSV infections each year. Hard to believe, but absolutely true here in the most advanced country in the world that we have these kind of respiratory diseases going on and killing that many people. Mm. Elsewhere in our stories across the Southeast, we have football to talk about. And on Monday, Alabama falls to the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal. And you also saw late on Monday, the Texas Longhorns go down in flames to the Washington Huskies. So we've got, the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies set to play each other for the national championship 
of college football. That's going to be on Monday, this coming Monday, the Natty taking place. I think it's in Houston this year. So unfortunately, no Southern representation. And that is a real bummer for a lot of y'all out there across the sports world and just across Dixie. So better luck in 2024 slash 25 for an expanded SEC with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and the other changes going on in college football. Maybe we'll have an all-Southern college football 12-team playoff in this new year. That would be awesome and a good way to get payback for those pesky Wolverines and those awful dogs that are the faux dogs. You know, UW has on their helmet D-A-W-G-S. And I'm sorry, that word, D-A-W-G-S, is reserved for the team that a lot of us don't like, but they're the ones that made dogs famous, and that would be those Georgia Bulldogs, which destroyed FSU in the Orange Bowl this year, 63-3. to Even Will Muschamp's backup QB son got out there and did a good job there in the closing minutes of that game in Miami Gardens in, in Florida. And that's a look at some of our news headlines of the day. When we come back, we're going to try to get to our Takapola storyteller on with us and find out how his year has gone, uh, how it's been going here in the last day or two. It's Jerry Short, and it's always fun to check in with him, and we're going to do just that when we come back here on The Y'all Show. back here on y'all and we're waiting on the Takapola storyteller to check in with us now i actually spoke to him briefly on monday new year's day and he told me what he was doing and i'm concerned that uh he might still be recovering from what he was doing on new year's day because he followed my advice he and i have both gone to this place and enjoyed our time there and as a reward for his uh, lovely bride for making it into a new year. He decided to take her there on Monday, and I know it was going to be a late night for him getting back in. So I'm che- I'm waiting on the Takapola Storyteller to join us here on the Y'all program and, and fill us in on his trip to Patty's in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. He and I went there about this time last year, and he had never been, and I recently got introduced to that place there in western kentucky and i'd never heard of the place until the last couple of years and it truly is a pretty cool place to go to if you're ever traveling interstate 24 and you're in western kentucky not all that far from paducah kentucky this place is located there and it's got uh, just a incredible lineup of food the staff there 
so good. It's based on an 1880s look. So the waitresses all have like long 1880s style dress and the food is good. It's a beautiful little section there right where the Tennessee and Cumberland rivers kind of combine. Well, they actually don't combine officially. There's a canal that combines them right where Patty's 1880s settlement is located. But it's a it's a really cool place. You know, I love to point out cool places in the South here on this program. And that that is an awesome place. First of all, as I said, the food's good, specifically the pork chop. They've got their own little pork chop, pork chop dressing type stuff that goes on them. And that's good. And you can get a two-inch thick pork chop that's to die for. And I've done that on the couple of times that I've been to Patty's in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. However, I went up there in September and had a big pork chop. And I, I said then that the next time I go back there, I'm going to get something different. Just because I'm, I'm kind of over the pork chop. It's good. It's real good. But if you get their menu, it's got eight pages, I think, of delicious items to choose from. And I I just, I think that there's other stuff calling my name, like maybe a steak or they've got hamburgers there at this place. And the other thing that's really calling my name when they go there is they have these humongous pies and cakes that you can get there. Plus they've got a gift shop that's got fudge. They make different styles of fudge at Patty's. And this was a place you could tell that had lots of bus traffic in its time. And unfortunately, so many of our bus stop, bus tour opportunities really faded, faded hard, especially during COVID-19. And so I'm hoping that they can get their business back there and at other similar locations of, of restaurants that had a thriving bus traffic presence back in the time that bus travel was so good on these charter tour groups and things like that. But he and I went there last year. He and his sweetie went there on Monday. And it's a place you got to have a reservation when you try to go there. And he told me his reservation was not until 3 o'clock on New Year's Day. So he had about a five-hour drive. I think it was about a five-hour drive for him to get there. And it was worth going there. And I know his his sweetie was very excited to be going there for her first visit. The last time he and I were there, I had uh, great pies and a great time. And then I went there again in September. So I guess I went there twice in 2023. And uh, Patty's 1880 Settlement is where I'm talking about. And when I went up there in September, I had uh, my very close personal compatriot with me. My my 13-year-old son was with me. And he loved it. And the neat thing that we did when we were there, we had some time to kill, is they have a little putt-putt course there. And it's not your traditional putt-putt. It's kind of on the side of a hill, and it's real shaded. And, man, we had a good time. And I I beat him. In fact, the last two times he and I have done putt-putt, which we need to do that this week. He's with me hanging out here. He's out of school until next next week. Uh, man, the last time we played at our so-called home course, on the final hole, man, I rocked his world with about a 45-foot putt. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite the putt-putt expert. If I could just transfer that into my actual golf game, it would be pretty amazing. But my short game is not what it should be. 
But that's uh, that's my recap of Patty's 1880s settlement in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. Roughly 45, 30 to 45 minutes southeast of Paducah. Not all that far from Nashville. If you're a Middle Tennessean, you can just head on up 24 outside of Clarksville and get into Western Kentucky and maybe 45 minutes down the road you'll you'll find it. It's just a really neat place and Jerry evidently must have had one heck of a late night getting back because he is not calling in like he should and he's either sleeping in today and not able to check in with us on the y'all show because I've sent him a reminder or he's had so much of that pork chop there at Patty's that he's had to go into the hospital and get extra attention because boy is it not good it is is something to behold there but I had, you know, as we are stalling since he's not coming on here in the Takapolo Storyteller, I guess I'll have to tell my my own stories since we were off the air for quite some time. I did a lot of traveling, not, not just Jerry traveling five hours to go eat one meal. I traveled a lot over these last two weeks that we've been off the air as I've been through Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee and Georgia a lot, and then South Carolina too, and had um, a very good time with family and friends and probably didn't get the chance to see as many friends as I normally do on a holiday break, but I was in a little bit of a, 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 a definite hurry this year. I did something last Thursday that I have dreaded doing for a long, long time. And it's something that a lot of you can relate to. I cleaned out a storage unit last Thursday. And I knew it was coming. I knew I needed to do it. It's It was a storage unit filled with over 20 years of my stuff. And I do a good job of not putting too much stuff in there. But still, after 20 years, you, you got a lot of stuff you throw in there. And it's amazing to me how many of you go through life and you don't have to have a storage unit to put your stuff in. You have enough space at your own home that you can squeeze whatever you need in there. You're not a kleptomaniac. You're not keeping everything that ever comes across your desk. And I don't do that either, but, but I still like to hold on to my stuff. But about every five to 10 to 20 years here, you kind of just need to sit there and say, all right, I need to filter. I need to decide what keeps on living with me and what needs to be either sent to Goodwill or what goes into the trash can. So last Thursday, the 13-year-old of which I was just referencing happened to be out of school. It was a cool day, but not a cold day. And it was a rain-free day. And I was able to get a 30-foot long U-Haul truck and do a one-day rental on it. And I cleaned out a 10 by 30 storage unit and I worked my, you know what off. So last week, even though we weren't working our, you know what off on this y'all show, I was working hard on a storage unit and I paid the price for about four or five days with soreness, but boy, it felt good to have it done. I worked and my 13 year old worked about 13 to 14 hours nonstop cleaning this thing out. And we did it. Whew. Man, I feel so much better about myself. But when you go through 20-plus years of stuff, you find 
a lot of things that you had forgotten about. And it's really a good, good therapy, you know, to go through and relive some of your memories. And I did some of that, although I was running, you know, when you go clean out a storage unit in December, your daylight hours aren't exactly voluminous. So around four o'clock, I had to kind of wrap up a lot of the cleaning up because we were running out of daylight, literally. So I had to start using my iPhone's camera to or, or light on an iPhone to kind of clean out the thing. But we got it done. One reason the move, and this is something that we might can relate to here in Takapola Storyteller time minus the Takapola Storyteller, is the fact that one reason that I finally, after 20 years of putting this thing off, was forced to do it was the storage unit that I had, I'd had for all these years, they never raised the price on me. They always kept it at, I'll go ahead and tell you, it was $110 a month for the rental. And what I would do is I'd pay the year in advance, and this place would give me two months off. So I'd get 110 times 10 is, what is that, $1,100? I'd pay $1,100 a year for a 10 by 20. No, it was a 10 by 30 storage unit and it worked great for years and years and years i counted up i, I must have spent twenty thousand dollars on this storage unit these 20 years and guess what the person that had that deal with me sold out to some young whippersnapper and the whippersnapper comes in and sends a letter out just a few weeks back and says oh by the way we're going to change the rules in 2024 and your rate is going to go from $110 a month to 235 I think it was. And something about more than doubling the price just ticked me off. So I decided to do something about it. And what I decided to do was clear out of that one and get me a new one. Even though it was absolutely awful moving and it was not enjoyable, it was something that I just wasn't going to let this new person, this whippersnapper, get the best of me, by golly, even if it meant sweating my tail off and, and getting sore for several days. I was determined to fight back, and fight back I did. So got that moved out. actually had this 30-foot truck, U-Haul truck. Thank you to Larry at the U-Haul place for cutting me a deal, a guy that I've known a little bit through the years. And he decided to give me a discount on the, let's see, the uh, cost per mile, which I think it's 85 cents a mile. He, he supposedly knocked off a little bit. But the main thing is he, he knocked off some of the price of their daily rental amount, which is on a 30-foot truck U-Haul. I don't think I'm destroying U-Haul's credibility by telling you the published rate. I think it's about $39 a day for a 30-foot truck, and it's, for a 10-foot truck, it's like $20 a day. So uh, I went ahead and got the bigger truck. Now, it's a big truck. If you're not used to driving a big truck, it's a real wake-up call, especially when you start backing up and trying to go around objects. You're not driving a little tiny car anymore. you got the big truck. But And I almost hit a light pole on more than one occasion Thursday when I was making this move. But thankfully, I, I dodged everything and U-Haul hasn't called me up threatening to take me to court anytime soon. That's, that's good news. 
But uh, 30, 30-foot truck rental, got it done, and I'm glad I went with the bigger truck because what happened was clearing out the storage unit, I went through first and picked out the things I wanted to move to the new storage unit that I got, which, by the way, I rented it for about $100 a month, and it's a 10 by 20 but I'm still saving over $100 a month. You know, important stuff you need to know about my storage unit, right? So uh, I got me a, a new storage unit down the road from where my other one was, and the U-Haul truck, I filled it up with the items that were they're going to be going into the new place. I filled it up and moved it, and then I came back later and filled the darn truck up again with all the stuff that I was either throwing away or taking to Goodwill. And those two trips there filled up that 30-foot U-Haul truck twice, all from a 10-by-30 storage unit. And the, you know, I can, I guess the statute of limitations is up. I found a dumpster where I could dump a lot of that trash into. I didn't take it to the official place you may have, were supposed to have taken it to. I found me a sort of an apartment complex type place, and I just started throwing stuff away. And one of the items which pained me to throw away was a $10,000 printer that I purchased 20 years ago. I mean, this thing weighed probably 300 pounds. And in its day, it did an unbelievable job cranking out things for Y'all Magazine. And we could print out centerfolds and we could print out stuff nonstop. It was a workhorse. But you know what? 20 years after paying $10,000 for that printer, according to my printer expert, Russ, thank you, Russ, uh, who services copiers and printers for a living, he said, man, that thing is of no value. There's nothing there that can be used again. You can't get the toner. You can't get the parts. You can't get anything. It's of zero value. He said, best thing you can do is find a place to throw it away. So I took Russ's advice, thank you, Russ, and found me a dumpster and me and that 13-year-old kid who plays football, so he's lifting weights. <laughs> Somehow we were able to lift that thing up and throw it in the darn dump, which uh, felt so good to get rid of it, although $10,000 was a little bit of a – was not a thrill. It was a painful thing to have to endure. But we did it, and it's gone, and, and that helped clear out that storage unit. But uh, – That's what I did. Some productivity coming from yours truly during this break. And that storage unit place won't be getting, what did they want? I said two, basically 235 a month times 12 is nearly $3,000 a year. They won't be getting from me. And fooey on you is what I say. Now, I, I actually discussed my storage unit woes with my siblings while visiting my family at Christmas. And they couldn't believe the cost of a storage unit, whether it's a hundred dollars or $200. And they were like, why don't you just get you build you a shed on your own place or build you a garage or build, build newsflash. You can't build things if you don't have the land to build it on. And they don't understand that because they got plenty of land. I don't. But I wish I did. I, I I really need to just find me some abandoned storage unit somewhere and buy it if anybody's got one out there. But no, storage units are not cheap. And then you've got these storage units that are the climate-controlled ones that are 
pretty popular too, and those cost even more. And it, it, this this number can be quite expensive no matter where in the South you're located. I told some people I was in the market for storage unit, and people started sending me some rates. They were all about the same no matter where they were located. The, these storage unit people, if they can pull it off, have a gold mine. If you if you can pull off a storage unit place, I don't think there's any shortage of the demand for people needing places to store because, I mean, there's a lot of people who keep a lot of stuff, and they need options. I was driving somewhere Monday, and I noticed that there are plenty of storage units specifically designed for boats because they're a larger they uh, they require a larger space, and I bet you there's no shortage of people needing boat storage. It's a pretty wise business to get into if you can afford to make that investment because you're always going to have people like John out there waiting to get on a list to put their stuff into your unit. That was the highlight of my Christmas break, and I know that's not quite a Takapola storyteller moment, but it was a... It was the true story. And I will add as a little footnote, my young son worked his tail off for me making that move. And Friday, I decided to reward him for his hard work. He has eat up with football these days. He is specifically eat up with his hometown Mississippi Landshark Rebel Colonel Reb Black Bear team. And they were playing in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And I decided to reward him by going back to Atlanta, a town I had just passed through three days earlier. And uh, I got him Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl tickets. And we went to the Peach Bowl together over this past weekend. Got a hotel west of Atlanta Friday night. Went to the game Saturday. The Rebel Black Bear Sharks dominated Penn State. Got the win. He was happy. And then we spent two days getting back to where we needed to go, having a good bowl trip together. But it was sparked by him working his fanny off, helping his old pop move out of that storage unit. So thank you, Mr. NLR, for that great, uh, great experience. And for, you know, the payback was you got to see your team win. So good for you. All right, that is my version of Takapolo Storyteller here for this week. We'll try to find out if Jerry's okay because we really want to hear from him. But I, I knew he was going to be extremely late getting back from his Grand Rivers, Kentucky expedition and his Miss Patty's 1880 settlement pork chop <laughs> experience. When we come back here on the Y'all Show, we're going to wrap up this month uh that's not monday it's tuesday i'm talking i'm i'm thinking about storage units and pork chops all of a sudden uh we're going to wrap up this tuesday edition with a look at some great offerings that little debbie is about to come out with as they've got some new offerings for 2024 we'll tell you what they are right after this Good time. 
I need a good time Yeah, I've been working all week and I'm tired I don't want to sleep and I want to have fun It's time for a good time Cash my check, clean my truck, put on my hat, forgot about work. Sun going down, head across town, pick up my baby and turn it around. Good time. Oh, I need a good time. I've been working all weekend, I'm tired, I don't want to sleep, and I want to have fun. Time for a good time. Thank you, Mr. Alan Jackson from Noonan, Georgia. We're back here on the program all about the south just a handful of minutes before we say goodbye here on this tuesday january 2nd edition our first show of the new year well a new year brings excitement it brings a clean slate it brings new treats and you can have a good time alan jackson and all y'all out there in 2024 thanks to new little debbie treats that are forthcoming in the new year as this iconic treat based out of the Chattanooga area is going to be coming out with some new treats for 2024. First of all, they're going to have Valentine's Day treats available for you for 2024. Returning favorites and some new items that are going to be very, very tasty if you are a Little Debbie fan Little Debbie is going to have eight Valentine's Day themed products available. Some of them are already in stores. Check this out, y'all, okay? Little Debbie's going to have the Valentine Nutty Buddy, the Valentine Cherry Cordials, the Valentine Iced Brownies, also available here for 2024. And then they're going to have three different Valentine's Cakes a vanilla Valentine cake, a chocolate Valentine cake, and a strawberry Valentine cake. And the cakes and brownies, in case you were wondering, are all heart-shaped. Yummy, yummy, yummy. And all very beautifully boxed in a Little Debbie box. I, I told my mother this at Christmas. I can't look at a Little Debbie and not think of my mama. And it's not because of the memories of her actually having Little Debbies over there in the pantry growing up as a kid. She would give us Little Debbie treats, the oatmeal cream pies specifically. Now, my mother actually, as a young young child growing up, resembled, I've seen her pictures, she looks like the Little Debbie caricature there on the boxes of little debbie and so i told her that i said i can't help but think of you every time i have a little debbie and that's that's kind of sweet wouldn't you say but yeah sure enough miss brenda looks like that little debbie box that little girl on the little debbie box a much younger miss brenda by the way uh but yeah all these offerings available from little debbie and then they'll have other items going forward the rest of the year and including many donuts coming they'll have little debbie's big pack goodies out throughout 2024 and how about have you seen the little debbie big packs so like for the i just mentioned the oatmeal cream pies they generally if you go in a store get them they might be four inches in diameter 
But if you're able to go into some stores and have these big packs, they give you more items, but the size, like of the cream pies, instead of being four inches in width, they're more like six inches in width. It's heavenly. Absolutely heavenly. Unless you wake up and do what I did today, check your blood sugar, and it's about as high as it's been in a long time. You're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to cut out everything. And that might be my New Year's resolution is to sit here and tell you about Little Debbie snack cakes, but not devour them like I want to. But again, this year, just in time for Valentine's Day, heart-shaped brownies, heart-shaped cakes, that come in both chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. The Valentine Cherry Cordial and a Valentine Nutty Buddy from Little Debbie just outside of Chattanooga. Mm-mm. Can't wait to try those after the blood sugar goes down. Y'all have a good rest of your Tuesday. Thank you for being part of the show all about Dixie. We'll be back here on Wednesday with more fun. We appreciate you listening to The Y'all Show.